We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Pack a Day podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us today. My name is Dan Kotnick, my partner today. As always, Chris Schimmel, we are getting you ready for game day. It is Lions Week, edition number one this year in Detroit. Packers going on the road in the division for the first time this year against the Detroit Lions. My, as Chris is, uh, I don't know, kindly putting it, my hometown team is I'm right down the street from Ford Field, but there's no chance I'm ever going to refer to myself as a Detroiter. Uh, that just gives, especially someone that grew up in Ohio, it give, it already gives me the willies to be living in, in Michigan as I do, but I'll never call myself a Detroiter, Re- regardless of how good the Coney's are here. I'll never <laughs> call myself a Detroiter, but we're previewing uh, the game today, Packers, Lions, Division matchup number three for the Packers already in week number five. Uh, like I said, on the road, it's, it's into the schedule working out odd this way, this way uh, this year. Chris already having three division games, basically half of your season, your division season, out of the way, and we're just about a quarter. We're just a quarter of the way through the season already. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, it's not going to get any easier. Because no. in the middle of the season, too, you got the Rams, you got the Patriots, all those teams. So it really doesn't get any easier. So I really think that this game almost is a must win. They have to go into this huge middle stretch of the season with a winning record. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think it's about as close to a 
must win as you can be in week number five. And what's scary is this is also a must win for Detroit as well. So this is going to be a slugfest. Right. That's what what I was going to say too. They're in a guaranteed must win situation here because they're about to go into their bye week next week, week number six, and you're already sitting at one and three. Your only win is a somewhat impressive win against the New England Patriots, but even that one has kind of shown to be maybe a bit of an aberration. Yeah, because Matt Patricia, you know, being the defensive coordinator for the Patriots, he knows their offense, he knows their weaknesses, he knows the ins and outs. So he came up with a really good game plan against them. And plus, also, I think the Patriots were kind of exposed as having a few more weaknesses than maybe we wanted to kind of let on with any kind of Tom Brady team going into the regular season. Maybe not as not as fast as in years past, and I think that really caught up to them against the Lions, um, kind of catching them on the on the uh, on the road like they did. But we're talking about this week now: Packers, Lions. Overall feelings, Chris, as we head into the game today, let's start with the offense because that was obviously the thing that got a lot of run. Even with the way that the defense played, putting up the shutout like they did against Buffalo, the offense was the talk of the town for the whole week because of how poorly they really seemed to play in a game where they dominated. Your thoughts about the offense last week and how it's making you feel about coming into this week? Well, I agree that the offense, despite the fact that, you know, they put up a huge chunk of yardage, they scored only 22 points when it really should have been more like 35, given the opportunities that the defense was providing them with turnovers, sacks, Mm -hmm. and, of course, getting their first shutout since 2010. So I agree with Aaron Rodgers, and particularly it should flip more to the running game this next week because, you know, Rodgers was saying you need to target Devontae Adams more. Well, for this week, they need to target Aaron Jones more because they're going up against the dead last 32nd ranked run defense in the league. So this is a, you know, Aaron Jones last week, he, you know, he got uh, 11 carries for 65 yards and and then against Washington, six carries for 42 yards. So you need to get those carries up against this Detroit defense. And that too makes me kind of wonder, obviously the talk has been for, for the almost since week number three, when he came back was Aaron Jones needs to be the number one running back. It's been pretty clear that he is the dominant runner of that trio of running backs between him, Williams, and Montgomery. And we saw it a little bit last week. He um, he had the majority of the carries, even if it was just by a couple of snaps, or at least the majority of the snaps uh, compared to the other two, which is a trend in the right direction for him. I don't wonder, though, Chris, with the Lions' run defense being as bad as it is, if it doesn't tempt Mike McCarthy to continue this running back carousel to keep all of those guys fresh and to attack that run defense a little bit more. Because, yes, Aaron Jones can have a career game against a defense like this if he is given the lion's share of carries, but in the way it seems that Mike McCarthy's mind and offense kind of works is always keeping these guys fresh and rotating them in. And if you're playing against a bad run defense, why not give everybody a share of that pie? Everyone gets a bite of the apple against a bad run defense. Yeah, you know, keep everybody fresh, uh, keep Detroit honest. Because, you know, last, last week against the Bills, Aaron Jones had 11 carries. and Jamal Williams also had 11 carries. Difference, though, is Aaron Jones got 65 yards and Jamal Williams got 27. 
So I understand the, you know, the point of keeping them honest, keeping them in the game. But at the same time, I feel Aaron Jones has deserved to at least have at least more of the carries instead of having an even amount of carries with Jamal Williams. I feel like he should be given a little bit more. But yeah, at the same time, keep them honest, keep them fresh, because this is a long season. It's a you know, it's a war of nutrition. So I understand the fact that you have, you have Ty Montgomery too. So you have a huge amount of running backs to keep fresh, keep the defense honest. And actually Ty Montgomery kind of transitions us to the next part of this is Ty Montgomery. I wouldn't actually mind seeing, I know people that have listened to this before, I'm not the biggest Ty Montgomery fan in this offense. I think that he kind of limits what the running game can do a little bit, but I actually don't know if I would mind seeing more time Montgomery this week, but in the wide receiver position because of how injured this wide receiver core is and how really after Adams, Geronimo, and uh, Allison, Geronimo, who am I missing here? Cobb. Cobb. I'm really upset that I (laughs) missed Cobb. Maybe I'm just, maybe it's because Cobb is the one that's actually ruled out for this game today against the Lions. So Allison and Adams, we don't know what their status is still kind of questionable, listed as questionable. We don't know how much they're going to play, if at all. Behind them is all rookies. And you've got guys like uh, Valdez Scantling who played last week and who Rodgers showed that he will go his way if called upon. But after that, there's not much. So I don't know if I would mind seeing Ty Montgomery take up some role or take up some snaps in that wide receiver role. Oh, yeah, and when he does, usually it's explosive. He had two receptions last week for 56 yards, so they were big plays. And, you know, watching uh, Thursday Night Football, the Patriots against the Colts, the way they utilize James White out of the backfield, I see that and think there's no reason why Tal Montgomery cannot be as valuable, as explosive as that. So I really think that they need to utilize him because, you know, James White, he's listed as a running back, but really he catches more balls than he runs, and I think that's what they have to do with Tal Montgomery. I agree. I wouldn't mind seeing that uh, wrinkle in there. And again, also with the passing game, there's injuries to the wide receivers brings up another sore topic. I think that's been kind of hit on a lot is the tight end position. And we saw more Lance Kendricks last week. Unfortunately, 12, I know in that 12 personnel grouping that they do with Jimmy Graham and Lance Kendricks and Jimmy Graham, starting to it seems like he's starting to kind of find them yeah he's molding he's getting in there but Lance Kendricks not just in the passing game but in the running game he hit he missed blockers there was a run last week where he completely whiffed on the inside linebacker and, and if he had just blocked him got a piece of him Aaron Jones would have you know found daylight he would have won all the way maybe to the end zone for a touchdown but he missed on the block and that's when I was thinking, you know, if he can't catch and he can't block, put in Mercedes Lewis. You want to keep the running backs fresh? Well, then keep the tight ends fresh. Put in Mercedes Lewis. Now, they were running Kendricks out of that kind of fullback tight end position that they have been playing around with a little bit, which I, I like that I like that wrinkle in the offense if, if Lance Kendricks can make it work there. Exactly. And so far, I haven't really seen that, and, and especially with this game – this week, today, Mercedes Lewis, I keep going back to him, is where does he show up in this offense? And against a very poor run team, why not put in another tight end that can run block better than anybody else in the league and just absolutely dominate that aspect of the game? Not just run block, but also he can stay in and pass block as well. Yeah. 
So to me, I really I see it as a, a win-win situation. If it doesn't work out, then go back to what you were doing. If it does work out, then keep doing it. So, you know, go 13 personnel sometimes if you need to, especially against this poor run defense. I think this is Mercedes Lewis and Aaron Jones coming out party. I would say too. And speaking of coming out parties, we touched on the wide receivers, those young guys too. They have a chance to really explode onto the scene this week because this is not a very healthy Lions secondary. And if you can make the run game start to happen – Things start to open up down the field, and there could be a chance for some of these young guys to make a name for themselves and make a case for getting more snaps in practice and in games, especially with how Cobb has really kind of the last couple of weeks has not handled these injuries. Really. It's the second week in a row now that he is not going to be playing. You need these young guys to step up, and it's why you got rid of Jordy Nelson. Yeah, was to give these guys the room to grow. Yeah, and especially with, you know, Rodgers and them coming out saying we need to target Devontae Adams more. You can believe the Detroit Lions are going to game plan for that a little bit. So if they put a safety over the top of Devontae Adams, that means more one-on-one matchups for Geronimo Allison and more for the younger receivers to take advantage of. And especially if you run the ball against them well, that's going to open more things up in the passing game. So this is going to be a huge step for the young receivers. You would expect with Devontae Adams being the number one receiver, Darius Slay, their number one cornerback, is probably going to be blanketing him no matter where he goes. And like you said, yep. too, could have a safety over top, whatever side Devontae Adams goes. So this is a big chance for some of these young guys like uh, Valdez Scantling, who came onto the scene last week a little bit more in Cobb's absence. Another huge key to this game is – red zone offense because statistically speaking both these teams have been piss poor in red zone offense the Packers are 28th in the league Detroit is dead last at 32nd and check this out at home Detroit is 31st in in scoring on only less than 17 percent of their red zone appearances so this is going to be huge for the defense especially given the fact that they didn't even allow a red zone uh, appearance last week against the Bills. So this is going to be huge of whether or not they're going to keep this up against in the red zone. And two, this is a chance for the defense to kind of, I think, rebound against the perception that has developed in the first couple of weeks. I know it's a small sample size, but they have had statistically good games against Mitchell Trubisky and Josh Allen, two rookies or Trubisky's not a rookie, but still a young, inexperienced quarterback. They've been torched, statistics-wise, by Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith, two veteran guys with a veteran wide receiving core around them. That's what you've got this week against Matt Stafford, a very tough wide receiving core, probably one of the more developed ones as a whole. Maybe not the most explosive or best or biggest names, but as a wide receiving core as a whole this is a pretty good one and Matt Stafford back there is a savvy veteran who can really make things work in that passing game they've got a very explosive passing game too yeah you know Matt Stafford I I tend to think that there are times where he's overrated and times where he's really underrated because he's a guy who can come out of nowhere and torch you and my biggest matchup for the defense is Golden Tate right now Mm because last year last year Golden Tate absolutely shredded the Packer defense he had uh 
seven catches for 113 yards one game and then seven catches for 104 yards and a touchdown the other. So I'm wondering, which corner do you want to see match up with Golden Tate? I, I think you put Jair Alexander on Golden Tate because I think he's the one that's got the speed to kind of stick around with them. I, Jair or maybe Josh Jackson, I one of those two. I wouldn't put King on him just because I – I don't know. I don't I don't know if I'm still sold yet on what Kevin King can do this year because of how injured he's been. You know, he, he shows flashes of right. greatness. But the problem though is that they're just flashes. That's not gonna do it in this league. You need to be consistent. So I would love to see Alexander because not only does he have the speed, but he, he really has the swagger to back it up. You saw what he did, you know, he shoved Josh Allen when he was surrounded by the Bills offensive line. That just shows you that he doesn't take crap from anybody. So you're going to need that against Golden Tate. Oh, you mean when he shoved Neymar? Because Josh Allen did a Neymar-style flop in front of the referee to try and draw that flag. That <laughs> yeah. was the most I, – I, I, would, I would be embarrassed if I was a, a Bills fan watching my quarterback do that. The referee even walking by him, they got a great shot of him just telling Josh Allen, get up. Nothing happened here. But, yeah, I agree with you. I really like the the kind of bite that you see out of Jair yeah. Alexander and what yeah. he's shown. You know, I'm watching that, of course, with my with some of my relatives. And, you know, they're old school guys, you know. You know, be respectful. Play the game the way it's supposed to be played. I said, you know, think of the greatest defenses of all time. You think of the Steelers of the 70s, the 85 Bears, the Legions of Boom. What do those defenses have in common? They're not nice they will knock you to the ground. And that's what I like about Jerry Alexander and Mike Daniels. They bring that swagger, and they need to keep that up. You want to talk about old school? Jair Alexander is playing old school. I love There's it. No respect back then. Look at Ray Nitschke was one of the most I know. weird guys on a defensive side of the ball. You know, and, and I always he tell... showed no respect for anybody. Exactly. And you know, at the end of the game, you know, you have all these players hugging one another, and I say to them. You think Ray Nitschke and Dick Butkus would hug each other at the end of the game? <laughs> Old school. <laughs> this is like the most nice pat the other team on the back league there probably is right now. The Bears and the Packers used to have hit towels with numbers of the guys that they were headhunting to go hit in the middle of the game. You tell me that Jair Alexander isn't old school. The guy is just backing up the talk that comes behind it. And, and that's what this this secondary really needed. But you mentioned Golden Tate. There's other guys too. The Marvin Jones came in and I don't know if I don't know if this is just not being around or following the lines as closely as maybe other teams, but the level of wide receiver that he is, he hasn't kind of taken over that number two role. He's I would say he's almost in danger of losing it to the new guy, Kenny Galladay, has really stepped onto the scene for the Lions this year in the passing game. He actually has the same amount of receiving yards as Odell Beckham Jr. coming into this week. And I know that that doesn't maybe say a lot because the Giants offense is absolute but, But, <laughs> um, I mean, it still says that y- you've got a wide receiver. In the, I mean, that's still a top 20 wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. And Golden Tate, ninth in receiving. Those are two explosive threats. So it's not just tape. It's this whole crew. And there really isn't just one guy that you can say, line him up against him, take him out of the game. It's got to be a team effort. And really, I think Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, and I hope that Kevin King has the kind of game today 
this week that says, here I am for the season. The rookies, yeah, they might be the talk and everything, but don't forget about this guy back here. Do you you know how you we were talking earlier about how you know Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, keep them fresh, cycle them. Do you think they're going to have to probably do that with Kevin King to make sure he stays healthy? I would like say so. I, I think you would. And then, well, here's the other thing too, Brashad Bruin. I think he's the biggest question mark coming into this week. Is how much, if any, does he actually get to play this week? Because a lot of that I feel has to do with mentally with him understanding the playbook. Right, understanding the playbook, and also he's listed as questionable coming into this week. He hasn't had a ton of practice time. So how much do you get to rotate in him into this game plan? I would say it's probably it probably depends on how the game is going. If you start to kind of dominate the game and control the tempo, keep the ball away from Matt Stafford, I would say depending on the health of Breland, you could re- rotate him in there with Kevin King in and out. And uh, you know, last week against the Bills, they held no receiver on the Bills had over 50 yards receiving. And I feel a lot of that had to do with the consistent pressure from the Packer defense, seven sacks. Now, I highly doubt Kyler Fackrell is going to have another three-sack game, no. maybe over the rest of his career. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what are the odds of them generating consistent pressure against Matthew Stafford? I think it's I think it's pretty good. I, this is not a good Lions offense. Of, so of, give me like, give me over-under for sacks. How many, how many do you think they'll get? All – I would say if you're just doing it as a matchup of who's better than the other guy, I match up and I would say a four-sack game is probably your over-under. The The thing is, though, Jim Bob Cooter, the offensive coordinator for the, defense, the Detroit Lions, is pretty savvy about how he runs things. And so I think he kind of realizes what it is that the matchup is, that he's going to have to get things out a little bit quicker, maybe shorten things up. And so – to say if they get four sacks, I think four sacks is a very successful game for them, especially TJ Lang out for the game today. And he was really kind of, he was really kind of the guy that controlled everything there. He was, he has been a great player when he's healthy, but when he's not healthy, that offensive line really struggles. Yeah. And then uh, one big question for the, the Detroit Lions defense, you know, both, the Packers and Detroit, surprisingly, are top 10 defenses, at least on paper. Detroit hasn't faced a single team this year that's in the top 20 for total offense. So do you really think that the Packers have a chance of really, really developing their offensive swagger and going back to what they were doing 2016, 2014? In this game, you mean? Yeah. I I mean, I would hope so. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I – you know, I want to see a 30-point game. You know, I want to see the Packers really show injuries. We can deal with it. Because that's what I feel like that's what, like, the great offenses in the league do. One guy goes down, put another guy in, change the system a little bit. And I think that that's what they're going to have to do. Because I I just am sick of the excuses. Like, it's like 2015, oh, well, Jordy's out, you know. I don't want to hear any of those excuses anymore. I don't care about, oh, Devontae Adams was blanketed double covered well and and this is this is the step up game for both the offense and the defense there's a lot of rookies on the offense and a lot of rookies on the defense that this week can be the game it has the the potential to be the game where they say here we are 
this is us. This we are successful. We are not going to be pushed around. This is still our division. One more big thing that I was thinking of is the Detroit Lions. They're they're tied actually surprisingly. They're tied with the Packers, fourth in the league in sacks. How is this offensive line going to line up against them? Because I'm only sold on Bakhtiari and Lindsley. Other than that, you know, Spriggs, I you know, I call him the revolving door. Cal Murphy's out. Their their guards, you know, I used to say guards are a dime a dozen, but this is really proving to me that, you know, even guards they're super valuable. So how is this offensive line gonna match up with Detroit? Well, I think it all depends on how healthy they stay in this game because last week you had the same offensive line the entire game, no injuries. Everybody played all snaps, and they handled a pretty aggressive defensive line, a defensive front out of the Bills in general. And so, I, I think they proved to this. I think they proved themselves at least a little bit worthy that they can handle things like that. And the the defense doesn't exactly scare me. The pass rush doesn't scare me that much for. The lines, especially with uh, Ziggy Ansa is out this week. He's really kind of their main pass rusher. Nobody really scares me. I mean, Ricky Jean-Francois is one of their leading tacklers and sack guys. Yeah, how about that for a little throwback for you? Wow, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and trust me, people in Detroit like him just about as much as people in Green Bay did. And so he is not a fan favorite. Uh, he was. He's been kind of the one of the ones that they have talked about as being the guys, one of the people that really quit in that Jets game in week number one. They're not happy with him. They're not happy with the pass rush. I think they've padded their stats a little bit against a couple of uh, opponents that don't have the best offensive lines or the best quarterbacks. So I'm not exactly scared too much about that. What I'm scared about is getting into an offensive shootout with this team just because they have uh, just a few more weapons offensively than Green Bay does when it comes to the wide receiving stuff. So I I think getting into a shootout like this, it's one of those ones where anything can happen. Mm -hmm. Do you have a game prediction score-wise? I'm going to say it's very, very close. It's, like I said, it's a toss-up. I'm very worried because, and, and maybe this is because I listen to Detroit Lions sports talk, Every single day. Are they confident? No. No, they're well, not. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the this is the paradox that is the Detroit Lions fan base. They are not confident in this team at all. And the opinion that I've gotten is that because they are not confident in this team at all, that means that they're going to win this week. Because it is what they like to call SOL, same old Lions. Because it would just be the Lions thing to have a terrible year, start one and three, and then have this game that they are expected to lose against the Packers at home and win it to get everybody's hopes back up and then absolutely be terrible again the rest of the year because that's exactly what the Lions do. And I'm sitting there listening to them like, this is exactly the game that the Packers lose. The one that they are supposed to win on the road against a division opponent and it turns into a shootout where one little thing happens and it changes. I think it, it all could depends on what happens at the very end of the game. I think it gets very close. I will still say the Packers win, but it's going to be a one score. It's within two points, I think. I think it comes down to that close. Yeah, I think I'm maybe 31-28. That's probably me, 31-28, 30-27. 
I would say probably around I'm I'm thinking like a 27-26. I know that's like the stereotypical one point score prediction, but just some it just this feels like it's going to be one of those ones that just comes down to the very end. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to lose a lot of hair this NFL season. Yeah, and if you know, if you want to lament along with Chris and I, we'll both be on Twitter during the game today. <laughs> Make sure that you follow us at DK all the way for myself at Chris Schummel for Chris and make sure you're following the pack a day podcast on Twitter as well at pack a day podcast and Facebook too. Now have to rep the Facebook page new this week. So make sure you follow us there too. follow the podcast on all of your podcast streams, iTunes, Google play, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Cheesehead TV, as well as always pretty cool to check out there too. And, and obviously you follow those, you're going to follow all the people, the great contributors that we have, your Pack-A-Day podcast, and also Cheesehead TV, as well as there, too. There's a lot of great guys that do a lot of work for the Packers, so make sure you're following us throughout the game today. You can screenshot all of my very cynical tweets that I'm sure I'm going to be tweeting, and then if the Packers <laughs> end up winning, you can you know, shove it in my face. I'm more than happy to have that happen. But, Chris, any final thoughts as we wrap up the, the preview today? Well, this is probably, without a doubt, the biggest game of the year so far for the Packers. Need to go into this huge middle-of-the-year stretch with a winning record. It's going to be a tough game, but hopefully I think they'll pull it out. I think so, too. We'll see what happens today. Uh, Thank you again for listening to the podcast today. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for our recap of today's game. For my partner, Chris, this is Dan Kotnick saying, Go Pack Go in Motown. Go Pack Go. At the midfield marker in third down. Snap to Rodgers. Rushes on. Steps up. Scrambles left. Rodgers outside Montgomery. Wide open. Sideline. 15 to the 10. Inside the Buffalo 10. They're going to mark it just outside the six-yard line. 42-yard pass play. Packers third down. Goal to go to three. Rodgers looks it over. Out of the shotgun. Takes a handoff to Montgomery, puts it over to Jimmy Graham, left side of the pylon, touchdown! Jimmy Graham enjoys a Lambo leap. Rogers under center, Jones the long back. Handoff Jones, oh, left side, 35, outside the number 40, left side by 45, 50, into the 45, taken out of bounds, near the Buffalo 40 yard line. A 29 yard field flipping play. Second down for the Packers, 13 yards to go. Receivers left and right out of the shotgun. Rodgers with Jones to his right. Takes the snap, looking left, looks the middle, pops it over the flat. Right side, Jones gets a block. Keys to the 20, down the numbers, to the 15. Near the 13-yard line, first down, and the Packers are in the rail red zone. 17-yard swing pass. Current drive, eight plays, 80 yards. Out of the shotgun, Rodgers looks it over. Slot left, single receiver right. First and goal, give Jones around the left end, makes a turn, bulldozes his way. Touchdown! Aaron Jones, a Lambo lead to the south end zone, stands its 12-0 Packers. Hi. 
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.